just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast should be considered medical advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only. If you have a medical question, please seek help from your primary care provider. My name is Destiny Williams. I am 22. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I am a regional central intake coordinator for 11 going on 12 nursing homes in the Columbus area. I have an identical twin sister who ironically does not have endo, mm-hmm. um, which is really ironic. So you mentioned already that you, of course, have endo. That is the kind of topic of, of this conversation. What were your first symptoms or signs of endo? And obviously, because, and I say this in every episode, but because you probably didn't know it was endo right away, obviously, what kind of led you to be like, this isn't normal, I, I need to go to the doctor, or I need further assistance, basically. Yeah. It's really weird. I wasn't one of those people who, you know, had the painful periods, which is typically the first sign of having endo is heavy bleeding or really bad cramping or anything. I was probably a junior in high school. And I would get these really sharp pains out of nowhere. And I was on birth control at the time. So I didn't have a period, nothing like that. So it was just really random and out of the blue. And so I would end up in the emergency room and they would just say, oh, you have a cyst or, oh, you just have free fluid and that's what's causing your pain. It'll go away. Here's meds. Or there was an instance where they said, oh, you have pelvic inflammatory disease. That's what's causing you all this pain. So I went to the OBGYN and they were like, well, you don't have pelvic inflammatory disease. It's just a cyst. You have a couple with free fluid. And they said that it would go away on its own. So I didn't think much of it. Down the road, I would have really, really, really bad pain with sex. And I just thought, oh, it's just another cyst. It must be rupturing or something like that. But it would be to the point where I, hours afterwards, I would get in the shower and I would puke or I'd pass out or get super lightheaded. And I knew I think that's when I knew it wasn't normal mm-hmm. and it wasn't just a cyst. There's obviously something bigger than just a cyst. So I would keep going back to the OBGYN and she would just say, oh, same thing. It's just a cyst. It's just a cyst. So I had to switch to different OBGYNs probably four or five different times. And, and that's the hard part, I guess, is finding somebody that will finally believe the pain you're in and just say, oh, it's not a cyst. It's something much more than that. And that's kind of just the hard part. So it was just, it started off with pain, pain with sex and just those random cramps out of nowhere. And so tired all the time. I'd be so fatigued. Even when I wasn't doing anything, I would just be so tired. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely what started it. And when I finally realized, okay, it's not just a cyst, it's not pelvic inflammatory disease. There's something more wrong with me. And it's not like my sister had these problems. And it's not like I had anybody who could relate to the problem. So it's like, you just feel like, what is wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's crazy. Just from hearing the two other guests' stories, the amount of medical gaslighting that's happening to people with endometriosis is insane. People come in with pain, whether it be like pain like you're describing with sex um, or just like randomly throughout your day or with your period, and it gets shut down almost immediately it's always something else it seems like providers don't really like most providers or some providers don't really listen to your symptoms and and kind of what you're telling them and they just tell you it's something that it's not (laughs) 
Yes. And it's really, really discouraging. It's, you just feel like you have run out of answers and you've done the right thing and you don't know what more you can do because that, you know, you're supposed to be able to turn to OBGYN with those kinds of symptoms and you just get shut down time and time and time again. And like I said, it's just super discouraging and you just feel like you run out of all options. It must be exhausting. I can't. And, and to go through like four providers just to find, like, did you have to travel far to to see some of them or were they all kind of within your area? I was in law. Most of them were in my area in the same practice. My mom's best friend was one of my providers, uh, medical assistant. And then my aunt was my current GYN's medical assistant. So I guess I got kind of lucky there where I had different people I could turn to that could give really good recommendations. So it's usually not like that for most people. And I know that. So I got really, really lucky in that aspect. Yeah, that's, that is lucky. That's good. So when you went in and told them like the first one, for example, about the pain, did they do like an ultrasound and everything like a transvaginal or I have had more ultrasounds that (laughs) should even be humanly possible. I've had a couple of the transvaginal ultrasounds. And that's when they said, Oh, it's just a cyst. I had a CT scan done, blood work, the whole nine yards, and still it would just be the same thing. Oh, it's just a cyst. And when did they finally make the diagnosis? Like what did they have to do to be able to do that? When I got diagnosed with endo, it was with the fifth provider I'm on now. And she had heard everything I went to and obviously read through my chart. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I I don't know what the problem is. I know that it is not a cyst. I like have done everything I need to do. And she said, well, it sounds like endometriosis. Let's get you scheduled for a laparoscopy, which is really weird because a lot of doctors do not want to do laparoscopies. And that's the only way to diagnose. Yeah, exactly. I wonder why the hesitation to do them if they know it can diagnose endo. And and if you're continuously coming back, it's obviously not a cyst, you know? Yeah, it's beyond me. Yeah. So, so this one finally, di- it seems like the one that you went, like the fifth one knew almost right away that that it was endo is that she did yeah and so how was the laparoscopy so the first one was okay it wasn't too severe she said it was just a mild case she burned a good portion out within five months it had came back I was in a lot more pain I you know I did the birth control and eventually I got put on the Lupron shot. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I am. I've administered it actually quite a, quite often in primary care. Not a fun shot to get. Not a fun shot to give. I never liked administering it. Horrible. So I can imagine. Yeah. So I did that. It's only FDA approved for up to a year. So we did that for a while. And you, you know, you go through all the symptom, symptoms of menopause, yes. the hot flashes, the headaches and all that good stuff. And so it really hit me hard. And I was on birth control at the same time. And a couple months later, I had to have a second laparoscopy this past November. And we got some really unfortunate news that my GYN said I have the worst case she's ever seen. She was only able to burn 40% of it. It Mm -hmm. has spread to my kid, a tube connecting to my kidneys, my ovaries, my uterus, the front and the back, my liver, my colon, and a couple other places. And that unfortunately it was too dangerous to burn more. So we continued with the Lupron shot some more. So I passed the one year mark of the Lupron and went longer than that. Um, I had to stop birth control because Lupron weakens your bones Mm -hmm. as well as birth control. So they, I guess were concerned, you know, I had a bone density scan done to make sure my bones weren't getting too fragile. I just decided it was too much. I, I think my body was just done. That's crazy that it spread like throughout your abdominal cavity, basically. Yeah. 
have you like has it had any impact on your other systems like your kidneys your liver anything that you've noticed so far like any pain or it's just there and you're aware of it for now I'm just aware of it for now I'm very lucky I haven't noticed symptoms yet I think it's just because the Lupron is still in my body right um, because it you know subsides the symptoms so I'm lucky I haven't felt anything yet but I mean I know it's there and Mm -hmm. that's pretty worrisome did your gynecologist give you any kind of like long-term plan or like, can you go on any other medications? Is there any other options for you now that you've kind of exhausted the ones that you were using? So unfortunately we have come to our last resort, which we knew from the beginning could potentially happen. I am having a hysterectomy in May, mid-May, which is really crazy for a 22 year old. Yeah. But it's too risky, even if I had an appointment to go see a specialist and I had to cancel it just because they'll always be able to burn more, but they'll never be able to get 100%. Mm -hmm. And I will be in this kind of pain for the rest of my life. And that's just not something that I'm willing, willing to do. I have always known I don't want kids of my own. Mm -hmm. um, So it's not like a huge deal to me. But I've gone to a fertility clinic, done the, you know, done the testing to see about freezing eggs and all that good stuff. Like I said, my body is it's done from fighting this fight. I've done everything we can do. I've had two laparoscopies. I've done the Lupron birth control. I've tried Oralissa. Every option we can do, we have, and this is the last resort. So how, how do you feel like about that? I know that's like a deep question to ask, but I know (laughs) my last, I actually get it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, how does it make you feel to know that that's kind of the next step. Honestly, I'm kind of relieved. My goal, our goal, I guess, is that once we do the hysterectomy, they can burn more out. They right. are leaving my ovaries, which yes. unfortunately is what produces the hormones to cause endo to grow. Yes. Um, but, but you don't want to go into uh, no. surgical menopause. So yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm relieved that hopefully they can burn a lot more out. And I, I guess that's just the, the best result that could happen. So it is a lot to give, but I just hope I have a better quality of life afterwards, which is the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Like hopefully it relieves the pain entirely. Yeah. Did anything that you tried like help with the pain aspect? Or Lupron helped for a little bit. It, it wasn't enough. I, I would still get the random cramps. And unfortunately, it's not like you could take Tylenol, Tylenol or ibuprofen or <laughs> I was given tramadol and all this stuff. You can't do heat. You can't do ice because there's nothing, at least for me, that you can do. You have to sit it out and wait it out. And those cramps could last anywhere from 20 minutes to four hours. So, I mean, there's overall just nothing else. Nothing really helped. Yeah. I hope that, I hope then that the surgery gives you that pain relief because it must be so exhausting to be in that much pain so frequently. It is definitely hard. And I'm glad I'm, you know, young and hopefully, you know, caught it soon, which I know is I'm, I'm very lucky. There are a lot of women who don't get diagnosed for a very long time. And it's always hard to find a provider who's willing to diagnose and then do the surgeries and Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. So I, I'm very, very grateful to my G, my GYN for that, but still a hard thing to process. Absolutely. I know that my last guest is in her forties and she's been dealing with endo symptoms since she was about you know, since she got her period at 11. Mm -hmm. So she's been on such a long road and she's still symptomatic. You know, she actually got told by a surgeon that she didn't have endo, even though they previously had told her she did have it. And she, she does have it, 
but they just can't do anything else for her, I guess. You know, she's had the partial hysterectomy and everything and still has pain. And it's just rough. Yeah. It is so hard. Feels like it's just a really long road where there's no 100% solution, I guess. Yeah. It, it just feels like I'm constantly going down this road and there's no destination, I guess. It's every day is just a different battle to deal with, whether it's medications, because, you know, most medications aren't covered for this kind of stuff. Right. Like Lupron itself is $5,000 out of pocket. I always forget about things like that because of being Canadian (laughs) with the drug coverage. But I mean, we don't have 100% drug coverage either, but it is a little bit different, I guess, because you guys are, I mean, not out of pocket, but you're still paying for surgeries and all that kind of stuff as well, which that must add up so quickly it does um it's really rough and like I said I mean you're you just feel like you're going down this road with no destination it's you try this and this and this and Mm -hmm. nobody can ever guarantee 100% this is going to make you feel better and so you're stuck wondering is it worth it like is this worth doing is it going to help yeah yeah it's like a big question mark everything about this journey is What would you say has been like the most difficult part of having endo? I mean, it sounds like there's lots of challenges, but just the unexpected, I guess you never know when that next cramp is going to come. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could be at work, you could be driving, you could be sleeping and you just never know. You don't know, is a certain food going to set it off? Is something I drink going to set it off? It's, Mm -hmm. It's little things that you just never know, or you think you have it under control and then out of nowhere, you have a flare. Right. And I think that's the hardest part is you just never know. Yeah. Like hard to make plans almost because yeah. it could just come yeah. up at any time. Yep. And you, like I said, at least in my case, and there is no way to make the pain stop. You just have to wait it out. Right. So right. it's rough. Is there anything that you wish kind of like the general public or healthcare professionals knew about endo, like that would maybe improve care or improve understanding of the disease? Yes. For me, in my case, I know my body better than anybody. If I'm telling you something is wrong, just don't just push that to the side. As a health healthcare professional, I feel like they should just look more into and listen more of the symptoms that I'm telling you, do that surgery. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. Do that surgery because this is a silent disease. It's not something the general public, you know, can see. It may be silent, but the pain is real. It's there. So believe women when they are telling you what is going on. This is not a normal cramp. This isn't, you know, a normal, normal blood clot. This stuff is not normal. Don't push it to the side. Like it's normal. I think that would be my biggest thing. Did you ever tell anyone what your symptoms were and had it like brushed off, like other than the healthcare providers, like anyone who just said, (laughs) oh, that's normal or, oh, that happens to me, but it wasn't the same. Yes, actually. So my twin sister, we were just talking about this after my last surgery, when we, me and my mom had told her how severe my endo is. Um, She actually said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you were actually in that kind of pain. I just thought you were over overreacting, <laughs> over exaggerating. And I was like, no, this is, this is real. Oh like this gosh. is a real pain. So it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I think 
I think it's hard for people to understand when they haven't experienced it themselves, right? That's that's exactly. But it's also awareness of it, like how bad it really can be. Yes. And so I try to, my mom is always saying, you know, well, you know, don't do this or don't do that. And she always, you know, tries to say, I don't understand the pain you're going through and I never will, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important instead of Mm -hmm. people saying, you know, oh, you know, you can't be in that much pain or push it aside or anything like that. At least just say, you know, I understand you're in pain or I may not see it, but, but don't just push it to the side. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, don't discredit it. It, It's, yeah, you have to, you have to respect the situation and realize that you might not understand what it's like because it's not you going through it. And pain is such a like subjective thing, right? Exactly. We all experience it differently. There could very well be people who have endo who cope with it very well, (laughs) but it's not going to be like that for everyone. Right. It's just tough. I guess it's, it's easier for people to just say, you know, push it to the side and say that kind of pain can't be realistic than actually having to understand the kind of pain people are in. I feel like. Yeah. And I'm sure as, as a nurse that you see that with other chronic illnesses as well, right? It's a very common narrative that I hear is like kind of like discrediting people's pain and saying, well, it can't be that bad. It can't be, it can't be like that, but we don't know unless you're the person. Yeah. You don't know. Exactly. And is there any piece of advice you'd share with maybe someone who was recently diagnosed with endo or who's kind of just like starting their surgical or treatment journey or anything like that? I would say reach out to the support groups that are available. There are a couple of really good ones on Facebook that I'm a part of, and you just build connections with people and you realize you're not alone. Use those resources. Ask the questions. Don't be embarrassed. There are, again, endo is a one in 10 women thing. There are always people that I'm sure have gone through what I'm going through that you know, we can reach out to use those people as a resource. Yeah. And, and did you find it? And I know other people have mentioned this, like uh, the two other guests I had on, but did you find you had to kind of do your own research to some extent on end? Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's just not a much talked about thing. So you hear, oh, you have endometriosis, but what is that? What causes it? It's just, it's not something, you know, strokes are talked about. Diabetes is talked about that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, but this isn't something that's talked about. So I definitely had to look into it more. And you mentioned having like triggers, like food and drinks. Is that something that, that happens to you? Like you find that certain food and drinks make your symptoms worse? I am very fortunate that they don't. Okay. But is that something that does happen with endo? It does. Um, I've read there are a couple of diets. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but people cut out, uh, for instance, processed foods and they feel their symptoms get a lot better or they cut out um, carbonated beverages or alcohol and they feel much better. But I haven't had to do that. Luckily, um, that stuff doesn't just set it off. It's again, mine is just really random out of nowhere.
If you like this podcast, hit that subscribe button. You can also check out our website at www.elephantinthewomb.ca and subscribe to the blog email list for blog and podcast updates.